Thank you for downloading this episode of the Cast Iron Theatre podcast. Hello. Uh, this episode, we're talking to one of the Macaulay clan. Yeah, the brothers Macaulay, like the Marley and Marley. Oh, I see, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> the um, brothers Macaulay. Woo. Because um, they are... Um, <laughs> <laughs> they are great. And, and also because Rialto Theatre has got a new production opening as of tonight. Yeah, it's on from Tuesday to Saturday. It's called The Dumbwaiter. Uh, by Harold Pinter, that's a two-hander. Mm. And it's directed by James McCauley, who is the person that we spoke to on this podcast. And it's episode 31. 31, so we're now, um, we're now getting into what used to be called middle-aged. Yeah, and yeah. We're, we've found our feet. Yeah, we're now There's, into arrested development. We are, we're, we're somewhat juvenile, but, you know, we've got a worldliness about us. Um, don't take things too seriously. No, and our, and our parents are—they say they're very proud. They say they're proud. They smile they've, tightly. Yeah, they—they—they're they, just happy that we don't ring them up every couple of minutes, going, "It's all gone wrong." Yeah. Um, yeah. and they don't know what to buy us anymore for for, for Christmas. So that's it. They're no, we're, no, we're in the calendar, calendars, oh, yeah. and socks, and I've got your voucher, which we, is, we're very appreciative of. To be fair, we've we've now stopped doing metaphor, haven't we? We're, we're, we're just, just doing life. You were doing metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, uh, let's let's just listen to the podcast. Let's listen to the podcast. Enjoy. Bye. Hello, and welcome to this episode thirty-one of the Cast Iron Theatre podcast. Uh, and we're we're back. We're back speaking to James McCauley. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. yeah. How are you, are you doing? You, you well, good? I think we're good. I think we're, we've uh, just come to the end of a particularly uh, busy time at Cast Iron Towers, as it's um, yeah. not actually called by anybody apart from us. <laughs> I uh, call it Tuck. You call it, you call it what? Do you call it? <laughs> yeah. I call it Cast Iron Towers. Well, I'm going to do Towers and yeah. Cast as one word you, you call You, call, you always Tossed call it tar, Tarty Towers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the title credits of Forty Towers. Farty Towers. So, yeah, we've we've uh, we've kind of been non-stop really since about... May in real terms, mm. uh, going for all the fringes, and then we did a, like a quick turnaround for a work in progress uh, that we had on Sunday, uh, which seemed to go down well. Yes. Yeah, one one alien, uh, which I'm sure we'll chat about not not tonight, but we'll, ch- we'll certainly see that return at some point. You can um, talk about it if you want. I, I really enjoyed it. So well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why not talk about it? Yeah. Uh, well. Um, <laughs> We might. Here in Cast Iron Towers, I mean, the studio, I mean, our front room tonight. Uh, we up, Don't we up. spoil the illusion. God, we, we God it is a living room, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, there's so much living. Spoiled it, man. Um, uh, we're, we're surrounded by aliens um, and disembodied heads. Yeah. Yeah. Many props and things. Many props and things and cabbages and kings. It's a whole Lewis Cowell um, <laughs> poem. We we've started weird. We have started well, yeah. weird. Yeah, this is a weird start. Yeah, um, and in, indeed we're not we're not talking about us. We will either for another um, <laughs> podcast uh, episode. Uh, but you are you're directing at the Rialto Theatre. I am. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And what's that? What are you directing? I am directing um, Harold Pinter. Uh, Harold Pinter's uh, the Dumb Waiter. Um, it's yeah, kind of one act, kind of short-ish play. Yeah. Runs about fifty minutes. Yeah. Um, written in nineteen sixty. Um, and 
Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> so it is yeah. a relatively early work by Pinto. It's when his humour is a little bit easier to get a grip on. Yeah, the, 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 you yeah. Know, um, but it's it's still a little bit surreal and a bit a bit. There's a bit of darkness there, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, it, and as you say, it's a, it's a relatively short play, a relatively slight play, 15 minutes an hour. Yeah. Um, how is it to direct a short play uh, of that, you know, because people might be uh, more used to directing much longer plays at two hours, or they might have had experience of right, uh, directing very short plays within 10 minutes. What's mm. it like doing an hour? Particularly with a small cast as well. I I would, yeah. So, so the reason that I, that I chose this play to, to direct is is that... Um, I wanted a two-hander yeah. and possibly a one-act, you know. Um, so it's actually just easier, easier to manage. Yes. Uh, being a re- relatively uh, new guy to the game of um, directing, you yeah. know, like I, 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 yeah, wanted to choose something that was e- easier to manage. Um, I think I've yeah found found it all right so far. You know, I've kind of gone from the the, the ten-minute thing that, that you guys uh, asked me to do, which yeah. was awesome. And then did um, uh, the short play thing at New Venture, and now it's kind of this is like the next step in in, in that, you know. So it's about baby steps towards something, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, cool. uh, <laughs> the next year it'll be like um, the Lion King the musical. Yeah, I'm actually working on that now. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's going to be in Eastbourne. Yes. Uh, yeah, on, on the beach. Yeah, that's all. Uh, oh, excellent. Kick, kicking yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and how is it to? Why did you choose? The dumb waiter, or or indeed Pinter. Yeah, two reasons for that really. Um, so um, I yeah I was um, kind of asked to be a guest director for the Rialto. Yes. Um, again, because of the the thing that I could do for you for you guys um, yeah. was awesome. Um, and based on that, yeah, they asked me to to guest direct for them, which is brilliant. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm like, what? Hey, really? Okay, cool. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, but they said um, you can choose your own play that you want to do um, so just let us know and we'll try and get the rights for it yeah. unless we can't get the rights for that we have we do actually have quite a big list of plays that, that, that we want to do as well that we would like to see uh, be um, uh, put on yeah. at the Rialto Re- 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 yeah. um, so I tried to get the rights for, for art having seen it I think quite um, at near that that time, I was like, "Yeah, that's awesome." I kind of want to tackle that and give give that a go. Um, couldn't get the rights for that, obviously, because it's quite. A, it's, it's yeah, getting a major revival at the moment, isn't it? I believe. I yeah, I if yeah. Sound. Somebody, somebody. I guess all three parts are, are played by somebody famous. I was in a production of Art years back when I first sort of came down to Brighton. Oh, brilliant! Um, and I played Ivan. Uh, which is a bit, bit of a gift of a part, really. Yes. They're all gifts of parts, yeah. but Ivan is particularly good. He has a, a, that monologue, a, an audience-pleasing monologue oh, towards man, the that end. That monologue yeah. goes on for literally about 10 minutes, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I think yeah. I... Did you put it off? I, 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 I You'd have to um, ask any uh, of the audience members. Um, they may, <laughs> they yeah. may they may have a different uh, yeah. response I'm, than I'm I might. Sure you did, pal. Um, <laughs> yeah. There was a what? there was a, a moment when um, it, 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 anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brilliant. I, uh, it, it, I, I got nominated for the award, uh, award um, yeah, for Brighton and Hove um, drama. Say um, what the awards. award was. Go on. <laughs> what, what, what was the award? Go on. I'm going to get this out of you. What was I it? I genuinely can't. <laughs> I not remember. She lied. I not remember. 
I believe it was it was best actor, wasn't it? Ah, but okay. the point about that, <laughs> I, I was nominated uh, with four people or five people for the award, and um, <laughs> when they announced it um, um, on the evening, um, the guy sort of announced it, sort of put down the card. I said, for the first time in a quite long time, we genuinely couldn't decide. Yeah. So we're going to split it between two people. And I had said in a deliberately not quite quiet enough voice, well, it's hardly worth it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And never worked again. Yeah, indeed, so. Let me state how I actually feel at this given point in time. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I looked at them getting the right to the art at one point to direct it. Um, yeah. But then I found myself in the production of it. What so? What was what attracts you to um, scripts as a director? Because that might be a different question well, than so, as a scripts as a writer, as a actor. So uh, uh, yeah, I, I I chose this play um, uh, um, because yeah, it was on their list of plays. Yeah, and also um, I had been acquainted with Pinter's work somewhat. Um, I don't know his work massively. I'll, no. I'll be honest. Um, I, I I've been in a couple of his plays yeah. um, uh, around that kind of time. So I was like, yeah, Pinter, uh, that's pretty cool. You know, I kind of, I, yeah, I enjoy being in it and reading it. And yeah, so that coupled with the fact that it was a two-hander. Yeah. Um, and it was just a, 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 a one, one act thing. Um, but the question you asked was um, something different. Uh, well, what about uh, <laughs> what um, generally are you looking for as a director when you're picking up scripts? Uh, what attracts you to a certain script over another script? Yeah. I like two-handers. I like two human beings just being on stage, you know, and something about a script that you can actually strip it back to its, like, most basic parts, you know, and just have two humans on stage just just being and performing, you know. And I think I probably saw that in this play, you know, in in that it's two... Uh, two guys waiting to do a hitman job and they're just talking you know and mm. it's and it's just the course of an hour you know and yeah you can strip it back to its parts in the set in the feel of it and you know everything like that so I, I think I probably saw that within that script you know yeah yeah arguably, arguably then there's something to be said about it being those sort of texts are more about the um relationship between the characters than necessarily the plot or the narrative completely completely yeah, yeah it's, it's all about that you know and, and finding finding those moments within within that play where the relationship um, really does show show itself you know yeah mm. yeah definitely yeah um, what pin to play were you in um, so I did uh, the first one was um, Victoria Station oh yes um, which was um, that's a, one of his really short plays that's right, yeah. um, a new venture um, and then I was in The Homecoming um, oh yes yeah so it was those two things yeah it was like yeah I like Pinter so <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah. one of the very first plays I was in was a Pinter um, it's a play from around the same time it's originally a TV play uh, called The Lover Mm. Uh, and it's a play about um, a husband, husband and wife who are exploring new sort of um, fetishes and um, sex games and kinks and how they sort of um, decide whether or not they will invite anybody else into a relationship. And it's all about it has a bit of a dark sense of humour about it, and it's got a um, power play within it. Um, 
I was 16 and quite a shy 16. Yeah, I was totally not equipped <laughs> to be. Um, I'm not, I'm not convinced that if you saw video recordings of that performance, it would be in any way convincing whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and then you went on to do art and you got nominated for an award. Well, so, you yeah. know, <laughs> it swings and roundabouts. Um, <laughs> there's, there's almost no fetish games or high heels in art. Um, but there should have been. <laughs> there should have been. Maybe should have been. So what's it? Well, you talk about um, gender flipping. When I was um, looking at mm. art, I didn't think about gender flipping it. I thought about being three women, which will surprise almost nobody that, that knows me. But also what's interesting is I read it and I thought, no, this is a really male conversation. It's a real... I don't believe that three women, mm. or whatever aggressor or lack of aggressor they would be, would bother having this argument yeah. in sort of particularly <clears throat> male conceit. In the same way that top girls can't be necessarily for men. Because no. that's very feminine, isn't it? Well, yeah, and indeed I yeah. guess it's somewhat about not necessarily forgotten women of history, but certainly mm. those icons of history that speak of being a woman. I don't know if that's a clumsy phrasing. But... Yeah, and even it's so not even the icon bit, but the the modern part of top girls when they're in the agency yeah that felt to me when i read that so feminine and so female space that you wouldn't be able to gender flip that yeah. so is that in the same way that art you wouldn't be able to gender flip i didn't think that i could uh, i thought that as i say i that those characters wouldn't necessarily preoccupy themselves with the same argument if they were women um, and uh, indeed, uh, dumb weight is not necessarily an easy play to gender flip. But you, when you were holding the auditions, you mm. um, you were up for that. It, yeah. it was op- it was open to it was genders. it was yeah yeah. I I kind of I had had this thing of I I didn't want to make a a, a point of like. You know, I want to invite women just to be all inclusive. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want to invite everyone because yeah. someone, regardless of their gender, might bring something to a role that that is brilliant, that is cool. You know, yeah. and they might work with someone on stage that really, really well, regardless yeah. of you know what they have between their legs. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to bring it open. Um, I know that we sort of um, uh, bang on a cast iron a lot about. Um, representation of gender um, in when we ask for scripts etc but that casting call alone uh, for yourselves at Riato was um, genuinely quite delightful I know that there was lots of chatter on our sort of mutual shared um, social networks of people expressing their delight at the opportunity to go to a gender blind audition mm. Um, mm. and well, the, the more cynical of us might uh, click our tongues and raise our eyebrows. Well, it ended up being two men anyway. Yeah, but that's not yeah. qu- really the yeah. point. The you know, at least that the intention was initially there to sort of you know open the auditions for any gender. Yeah, yeah. exactly, and that 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 was a point. I, I wasn't yeah trying to make a a point of it. You know, yeah. I just opened it up to every, everyone. You know, yeah. and yeah, I did. Um, end up casting um, to people that happen to be male. Yeah. You know, so, we, you know. Because they yeah, happen to be yeah. the correct guys for the role. The correct humans for that role, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and maybe, um, maybe there there is something in that um, these roles, you know, were stereotypically written for men. Yeah. So maybe there, there is something in that in that maybe by design or not, I had to 
honor that you yeah. know yeah mm. so it it just turned out that way yeah yeah so you've spoken that, uh, about uh directing a relatively short piece uh, at cast iron uh, which was a, a cheerful piece <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> yeah. About, uh, yeah, uh, and mushrooms and, and, yeah. <laughs> and armageddon itself armageddon, yeah. um and then the dumb waiter is now an, an hour long you you've got your eye on the prize of doing perhaps um a longer play um at some point in the future um is there a different discipline in your head about doing an eight minute play a ten minute play an hour long play a two hour long is your approach do you think that it would be any different i think my approach is generally the same i regardless of the piece that it is i think that in terms of working with the actors and any people on on the team actually just making that the most the best vibe that you that you can yeah. you know my my approach is that it's this isn't my thing you know this is our thing yeah let's let's um let's get to the goal that we want to get get to together you know yeah. i think whatever piece i'm you know have worked on and hopefully will work on again you know that's going to be the 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 um, approach yeah i don't i don't want to do things to just satisfy my ego or no. or the people on stage their ego it's always about the play, you know. Yeah. What is what is the best thing that we can do to serve the play well? And I think that you can you can create an an environment to achieve that. Yeah, I think I'm trying to. Yeah. <laughs> achieve that. Yeah. Yeah. I find that interesting because I'm learning to direct at the moment for Cast Iron Ten. Yeah. So our next series of short plays. I think no, I've done a short play before. Yeah. With um someone who's directed before, so she mentored me. Mm-hmm. And then now it's like the first time out of the gate on my own. And I'm so bitten by the bug. Yeah. And it is so interesting to just be the the person sort of in charge, but you're not really in charge because you're sort of the observer throughout yeah, as well. Yeah. It's such a, an odd yeah, you discipline. Yeah, do, you do have to lead. I mean, mm. do you guys find that, that you have different approaches when you do different pieces? Does it depend on the piece? Does it depend on the cast? Does it depend... On the time of year, <laughs> yeah, um, time of day. What, what what is your approach? The short answer is no. The short answer isn't even particularly short. Um, my my short and long answer will be somewhat confusing in terms of it's still me, and I still have to bring the same sense of me or same sense of humour and looking after the actors I can to whether it be a twenty five cast. Uh, pantomime type thing mm. or if it's a one hand uh, intense piece um, there's certainly going to be a certain amount of rehearsal that does not actually look like rehearsal uh, yeah. that will tend to be a connective factor but so what is a rehearsal to you then? So that's, what, I, I think that's, that. <laughs> that's what I was going to sort of say in terms of um, slightly longer answer is that it is definitely a different approach depending on the piece on the company, on the time of year. Um, there'll be certain productions where I will be relatively loose about the um, the actors being absolutely off book by day one. Mm. And there'll be um, certain productions where I think, no, actually, there's so much other work to be doing in the back end of the rehearsal process. I need us off book as soon as possible yeah. because actually that's one of the least important things of this particular piece. Yeah. Um, sometimes it will be about... Um, how comfortable the actors are with one another. It will be about whether or not I need to sort of like 
dissolve hierarchy within the cast. Mm. Um, so there is definitely a, a different mentality. You know, if the play is a serious play, if it's one that I've written myself and I'm directing my own work, or if it's um, one that's more sort of comedic or one that, you know, has is already established. There will be certain uh, productions where I will definitely lead a warm-up in the first section of each rehearsal. And there will be certain um, productions where I think that's actually going to be more fragmentary to the company than it will be helpful. Or there will be certain um, productions where I absolutely need them to have a warm-up, but I physically don't have the time to do that because I need to be working on a, with a particular act or whatever, and there's only a three- or four-hour rehearsal process. Right. And actually... I need to get those two actors in a, in a room in a different part of the building and the company themselves yeah, do a warm yeah. So it can be really sort of a difference of approach each time. So it sounds like you, you, you adapt yourself uh, to each project depending on the needs of that project, you know. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I think I'm definitely learning not to be fixed in my idea. I mm-hmm. think I would always come at something very organised, very military very like so this is how I see it when I read it how do I translate that to the performers yeah without saying I want you to move there there and there because that's no help to anyone yeah so I have to somehow disguise that and let them come to that and I don't think that's very helpful at all and I'm really battling against that in my own rehearsals to try Mm. and kind of allow for that that fluidity is that a word it is now. <laughs> I, I certainly think that if you are, I, you know, I've felt very safe and looked after by directors who come in with lots of notes and know exactly what they're going to be doing and hope to achieve that rehearsal. That mm. there's something quite, um, um, yeah, comforting about somebody who's quite that clear-headed and um, demanding, frankly, about what they need. However, um, I'd also wonder if if you know that you want to get to. Um, page 4 by 9pm and then <laughs> if you want to get to page 18 by 9.36 uh, then you're probably going to fail um, so yeah I think that, that applies to any sort of um, contact with um, any other sort of creative if it would be a rehearsal or a gig or a, uh, a workshop um, that you have to give yourself a bit of elbow room you have to allow yourself to fail you know that you have to have that opportunity mm. to um yeah. Uh, try something out, you know, throw an entire evening of rehearsal under the bus. Going, yeah. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, okay, okay. But now we know it didn't work and you're not you're not just married to an idea that it will never work. Yeah. You're, you're going to go, okay, and then you, what, you'll have the next rehearsal will yeah. be stronger. That's a great um, subject to talk about, actually. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the willingness to fail, yeah. you know, because mm. nine, nine times out of ten, that's the only way you, you're going to learn, yeah. you know. Let's try lots of things out, you know. Most of them might fail, you know, but one of them will probably succeed, you know. So yeah, don't be don't be scared of failing. Yeah, that's what I'm d- definitely learning. Um, being an actor or uh, directing or you know even other stuff in life, you know, yeah. kind of yeah. it's it's okay to fail, you know. Yeah, because then you're daring to achieve something, yeah. you know. And that yeah yeah, and in loss you learn and then you move on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the the um, the unhelpful question doesn't actually have even deserve a decent answer. Uh, what do you enjoy more, directing or acting? Um, 
at the moment I am in drawing direction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah, asking that question, I can only personally ever answer what am I enjoying now? And I, at the moment, because I'm directing, I'm, I'm enjoying directing yeah. when I act I enjoy that as well you know <laughs> yeah so it's about what I'm doing at, at that point point in time I guess yeah I enjoy both for different reasons but at that point in time I'm, I'm enjoying that you know yeah what was your first acting uh, what, what was my first thing it was a 10 minute play actually yeah uh, yeah <laughs> um, so in, into the nativity or anything like that it was literally later on in life yeah, definitely, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. First time kind of getting on stage was in 2010, okay. I think, 11. Yeah. yeah. It was this, like, 10-minute thing um, that a local uh, lady had written. Yeah. Um, and I played a guy called Jack. I can't remember the story, but I yeah. know his name. It was definitely Jack. <laughs> yeah. And it was American. And, yeah, it was, yeah, having, um, yeah, being on stage for 10 minutes and for the first time. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Kind of... Yeah, that's cool. I like that. How yeah, was that? How was that the night itself? Um, I don't actually remember. Yeah. I don't actually remember. Not I, 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 yeah, I mean, it's probably, yeah, I've still got bruises, um, <laughs> emotional ones and physical ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I need, I, my parents haven't spoken to me since. So <laughs> should speak to them, try and contact them, you know, about that. It's been seven years, so, you know, it's the seven year rule, right? But other writers <laughs> and directors have contacted you since. You've been, it's not the only time you've been on stage, you've been on stage quite often in the past few years you've done the fringe I've done, yeah yeah it's quite a quite a few few things i've kind of got involved in yeah yeah uh, yeah did um did, did the fringe uh thing um am i uh am i fuckable this yeah. year um and did that last year as well um yeah there's two pinter things um a couple of other things for new venture and before that um uh, i was uh, mostly based at the hall thing crawley crawley yeah um yeah, did a few things there, and that was where I did my first that, yeah. that thing. Yeah, that ten ten minute thing. Yeah, am I fucking yeah. with um, Pop Heart? That yeah. um, that was also devising, sort of um, yes. creating the story yourself. So yeah. that that gets you into like a triple threat territory of being able to create your own stories as well. Yeah, um, would that ever be on the horizon? You write your own stuff. Writing is something I am. A, I don't feel like I have the ability to do. Yeah. B. I'm terrified of uh, and see um, cheers <laughs> yeah um, I yeah I I don't think I've got that in me at yeah. all whatsoever I, I really don't I don't and you know m- maybe it just needs someone to just be like just give it give it a go mate yeah. you know just 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 do what's that thing like um stream of conscious of course yeah yeah, yeah. just write whatever come come comes out you know yeah. and i guess the reason i ask yeah. that because i when we do the workshops or whatever i well when, when i think i'm speaking to writers i always couch my language and say i'm speaking to the storytellers which sounds much more pretentious that I want it to sound, yeah. because what I mean there is that there will be storytellers in the in the room who won't actually themselves be writers, okay. but they might be uh, improvisers, they might be devisers, they may have, you know, like you have with um, Am I Fuckable, devised scenes and devised stories that, as far as I know, potentially were never actually written on a piece of paper, yeah. but for want of a better title, that is by my argument, writing. It's writing, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I guess, uh, you know, that was kind of my way in on that question in terms of um, 
creating stories uh, for yourself to um, sort of direct or perform. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely have kind of um, um, yeah, like this. Yeah, it's I, I don't technically write, but I do have like um, silly ideas in my head. Yeah, you know, little sketch, sketch ideas and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I yeah talking about this. I, I think of my my friend Ben. Yeah, who I've known for many many years, and we kind of go into our own little. Um, James and Ben world where we kind of create different weird char- 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 characters yeah. and yeah that most other people don't don't really get but we just um, laugh our ass off at all Excellent. that stuff yeah, yeah. so yeah. Ma- maybe there is in something in that in that yeah I am writing um, in my own head in some way with that kind of stuff yeah, yeah you're even though writer. it's probably crap to other other people but to me, yeah, I enjoy it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. you're a writer by the sounds well, of it. Let's, so let's we'll find, get you writing. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's interesting. Let, let's throw that out. Because, yeah, obviously we're always um, looking to sort of grab the next new writer for Cast Iron and um, give them a platform. Um, and I, I have already argued my point that uh, a writer doesn't necessarily have to be, for my money, the dictionary definition of physically word processing words onto a piece of paper. Um, yeah. Michelle, you were sort of saying, you were saying we're a great feminist to James just now, or you're a writer. So I want to kind of, although I may have sort of loaded the question too much, uh, what Michelle is a writer? Someone who tells stories. Someone, yeah. I think, I think we, without wanting to sound too. Arty. I think we're all writers. I think um, humans yeah. tell stories, and I think it's. It, I I do think that anyone can write. I also, being the formulaic girl that I am, sometimes I think there's a way to teach writing. Yeah. I think that there's a way to improve narrative. I think there's a way that stories work. I think there are ways to write organic stories that still follow a structure. Yeah. And so when someone tells me that they direct, they act, they make up little worlds with their friends, to me I'm just going, tell me those worlds. And maybe that's the writer in me going, oh, I want to know what those Mm -hmm. worlds are. But I also, I think that if you're playing, it's play. If you can play and you can... Because Andrew and I are really fascinated in in the notion of play and and the notion of... um, telling stories and how that reflects on life and if you can do that and if you're doing that with other people's work I don't see there being much of a leap between acting and directing to creating your own narratives yeah yeah and creating your own stories it's actually a very interesting question to ask you know what is a, a writer mm. yeah and is there a difference because when if you were to ask me that question I immediately have an image in my head of a script mm. yeah. and me trying to sit there at a keyboard trying to be like Anne said this and then David said that yeah. and then it's just like bah, 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 bang yeah but yeah. that's interesting in, in that you know you can answer the question just being like well yeah I, I do create worlds in my head yeah. so by that definition yeah. I do write yeah we asked this yeah. question on the 1st of November um, literally the first day of the month of uh, NaNoWriMo, which is an uh, international novel writing uh, festival, I guess, competition. It's a competition with no prize. Well, the, comp- the prize is you get a novel at the end of it. Okay. The, uh, the, um, the catch is that it's a novel that you've written. 
Um, so it's 50,000 words in one month, which averages about, about 1,400, my maths are terrible, uh, words per day. Um, and uh, 50,000 is, um, for want of comparison, it's roughly the, the size of a, of Mice and Men or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, yeah. which is 40 years old next small. year. That is that so it's, it, by novel terms, it's relatively small, yeah. yeah. Um, it is a type of novel that if you're a confident reader, you can probably demolish that in an evening. Mm. Although I probably just added myself as a person who reads really quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so Nano is for those writers who procrastinate and go, oh, I, I don't really have the time to write yet. And um, it needs to be good. And, you know, and it's more about literally just getting the words down on paper yeah. rather than actually worrying if the story will be any good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And. The could, reason that could you guys do that? I have done it once. I won't say the novel was any good, um, but I. But you must have enjoyed, even though the result you didn't particularly uh, appreciate by your own standards. Yeah. Mm. You must have enjoyed the process of doing it. Yeah. There was, maybe that's the point of it. It really is the point of it because um, it's it's a delicious hack job. Um, yeah. Because you know you are worrying less about quality, and you know. You know, you see books that are on the shelves nowadays that have gone through an editor or whatever. You might argue that some of those writers still have not worried about quality, even if they've had three years to write the thing. Um, but I think that there's a, definitely an argument for NaNoWriMo where it's just about getting rid of that excuse of you haven't got enough time mm. because yeah. you'll never have enough time. Um, and writing is a, is a much more... It, it, it's a bit more mercury than that. It can sort of let ebb and flow with with, with directing or acting. You kind of have to turn up to rehearsal. Yeah, you know, yeah. There, there yeah. are fixed times. You've got a three month process. And yeah. Like, yeah. Rehearsal on Tuesday and then Friday and then yeah. You've got an end it's, it's date. It's all set, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You've got yeah. That whether it happens or not. You've got to be up at that point. Yeah. Tickets are sold, hopefully, and the thing will go on at that time, whether you've rehearsed or not. Yeah. So. Yeah. You've got to be there. Yeah. Whether of writing, um, with most writers, um, nobody's waiting for that manuscript. Mm. Um, um, and so NaNoWriMo ha- becomes a, like a, a fake enforced deadline. And it means that uh, if you've only got like eight minutes that day, you know, you'll, you'll write, you know, 200 words. And then that would be 200 words more than you had yesterday. Mm. Um, we've taken a bit of a segue on this because... Um, your your first initial answer was that, that I'm not a writer and uh, you were particularly you were quite clearly content with that um, <laughs> pretty much mind. was and then we uh, had a conversation <laughs> and now and now I, I'm convinced that I'm a writer and I've just signed a deal yeah so. <laughs> a Faustian deal in fact yeah um, when when for, for you guys yeah. when is anything that you've written done do you uh, ever think that a play that you've written is done you think that's that that was that was what I was achieving right there, or is it like well that'll just do because I have to put it on stage now? When is something done? There is certainly a certain sense of it is probably done after the final performance. Um, you don't want to. I personally don't want to go back and tinker at things too much. Yeah, you might be aware that a gag doesn't land. And you're only aware that once the audience, you know, four audiences are uniformly not 
appreciating your genius. And you sort of go, <laughs> okay, right, um, no, perhaps that's it all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all of the performances, yes, um, and all of the audiences. Um, I, I think you, 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 I don't want to be too um, militant about it or, or too um, Catholic about it. You know, if there are things that need to be tinkered, need to be changed, yeah. then I, then I will do that. But equally, I, I certainly don't want to be the the person who sort of goes. I just change this. I just change this. I, mean, I hear horror stories of people. You know, one I'm hoping made up story of uh, directors or writers. You know, who happen to be performing on stage, in the final performance, change, directing, changing things, as part of the performance. Yeah, wow. yeah, um, yeah. You know, it, it's you know. I might ask an actor to take a line out if a line isn't working in performance, but generally I'll try and leave them alone because they have their own work to be doing in performance. Um, so it's done then. If that police, that piece or uh, play gets revived, I might look at it again to get, okay, does it stay the same as it is? Um, but generally speaking, I'll try and leave things alone. I'm saying that in the three scripts I'm mm. thinking of, or... Uh, we already have had or yeah. will in the future get extensive rewrites yeah. so I'm going to lie to my own claim really I'm doing the same I think my 10 minute plays are pretty much when they're finished they're done and that's why I think I like them Yeah, a lot is it, all, is it simply to do with the length there's not, there's not enough room to make too many mistakes yeah and I think that I can I think I'm quite pleased with any of the 10 minute plays that I've had staged. I kind of go, yep, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. And that's that. And there's a neatness to that. But the longer pieces, anything longer that I've written, including the fringe plays, so I did yeah. model organisms in Fringe Just Gone. Yeah. All of them, I'm doing the same as you and going, yeah, no, that, when that goes up again or when we do something, I'll just have a little tinker with it. I'll have a little tinker. And yeah. I don't know, that's the danger of being a writer, director, producer, or, you know, when you're you're playing with your own stuff, mm, you're going to yeah. have a little fiddle. And also, um, I guess it's to do with the uh, the sphere of audience you've got. So yeah. if it's under, like, I don't know, let's say our audience is in fringe, if it's under 500, you could argue, for people... You could argue that oh, not enough people have seen it yet. It's still up for grabs. Yeah. Once it's out on genuinely the public domain, that's it. It's not your property anymore. You don't get you don't get to decide. Yeah, we're we're lucky enough, and I we're say so that lucky. in inverted commas that <laughs> nothing's been published. Yeah. As yet, that um, you know, yeah. Once that, I suppose once it's published. Yeah. Then that's that's it that's done. It. Yeah, but that's, that's, it's also if it's yeah. under contract. If someone's paying you to write something and you're under contract to write, and you, you've written it, then that's it done at that point. You know, Pretty when much, you, yeah. if it's work, but yeah. if it's a piece of art, or as in we're not getting paid for it, yeah. then then you can tinker <laughs> yeah. away. If you're not getting paid, then it's art. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you are, it's work. It's man. work. You just gotta go do it. Yeah. Oh dear, yeah. I'm so cynical. There's no chip on this shoulder. Yeah, it's funny. I kind of equate the the conversation that we're having here to a subject that I was talking to someone about the, the other day. When you're directing a play, do you is there a rule or not a rule of when the first night goes up that you can't give notes, right? You, yeah. What's your view on that rule? 
Or not rule, but that that, that kind of... Uh, in theory, I'll tend to avoid giving notes to a company. But I'm aware that I've had certain companies who have felt abandoned after you go, it's yours now. You know, um, I will certainly try to always be in the audience for a cast. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to abandon that, that much. That they're, yeah. still, they're still part of the family. And... I know as an actor that I, I, I still want to go, oh, if I've had a particularly good night, I want the director who's stayed with me for the past three months to see so, yeah. that particularly that good, good. Yeah. That <laughs> night. Yeah, um, definitely, yeah. I certainly, there have been certain productions where I have, for whatever reason, felt compelled to sort of give notes after the performances, but it's something I will generally avoid. But there is at least one production in the past four years or so where I did my, you know, elegant moving this is your play now speech okay. um, yeah, yeah. and then went to the production and um, said oh you know well done after each night and then I think I found out later that they were they were genuinely wanting me to go I, well I wasn't very good that night I, I, need, I needed you know I, I was unfocused I needed you to tell me that yeah. I was unfocused and yeah. go and so that was interesting so it, I think it does depend on each um, production did you know your cast before you cast them no I, I didn't. What's no. that like? Yeah. Slightly, um, uh, okay, the two words that I went for in my brain there, which I should use because that's why I chose them in my brain box, uh, were anxious and unnerving. Yeah. Um, it's because then you have to have that time of getting to know each other, of breaking the ice, yeah. of doing all that, you know. I think, but then also that might if you don't know people then you're going in fresh yes. you know there's no preconceptions of someone like oh you you can do that can't you so that so that's fine you know maybe if you work with people then there's there's a safety or comfort uh, if you work work with people that you know yeah there's a comfort and safety to that um that might not be best for the peace or best for the environment or best for no, people involved yeah if if you you don't if you um if you don't know them yeah because the shorthand that you have with actors that you already know because you you know that that can be valuable that that can work very well but also it can lead to a bit of a I don't want to say laziness but um laziness <laughs> well you went straight for that word yeah so, yeah, so, yeah yeah yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, um I know yeah were you ever tempted to precast were you ever no to... I had at no point yeah. in, in my mind yeah. and I have been asked that before do you have people in mind with this you know yeah. um, do people because I, I I genuinely don't ever have anybody uh, precast but the exception to that rule of course is when I'm creating a project specifically for a particular actor or cast yeah um, so that's that's different but if I'm you know open casting then I I don't know who I'm going to cast which can sometimes be ridiculous because of the certain roles that need to be cast of you'd think that anybody with a vague amount of intelligence would at least cover their bases and have some ideas of precasting. Yeah. But I yeah. genuinely don't to the point that nobody believes me when I say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. do you get a similar sort of oh come on when you say Actually yeah. yeah. Now that you bring it up, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I can I can re- um, recall that. Um I th- I think um, it's probably easier to not precast if it's a sm- smaller cast. Mm. Yeah. If it's a bigger cast, maybe you think, 
maybe I need to cover that and that's sort of fine over there and then that part is covered and then that one's covered as well and I can only worry about these two but I think with with this one yeah two-hander you know I don't yeah haven't have to have that um that intention of pre-casting but I I I never did never did yeah so uh how many I can't remember if we asked this at the beginning of the podcast or if I asked you before we started recording uh but um how many rehearsals do you have left uh, so we've got um, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Um, Sunday is the tech, but then yeah. we'll obviously run the show up, up afterwards. Monday is the dress. Yeah. And then it's going to be Tuesday to Saturday is is, is the run. So it's a nice long run. Um, at the yeah. Rialto Theatre. At the Rialto. Um, yeah. Which yeah. Um, is quite central. Really. It's near the clock town. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, a good, lovely location. How have you you been rehearsing physically there? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah there's been uh, nights where. Because they run a lot of stuff there, a lot, yes. of, a lot of events, various different, different, different things. I guess it's the advantage to... of doing a two-hander in that you're not having to do a big song and dance number in somebody's living room. Exactly. I can just say, hey, if the Rialto isn't free, yeah, then we can use my flat. Yeah, yeah, and then. Um, yeah, they've got links to like Hove Bridge Club, you know, and, we, yes. and, we, and we've oh, yes. used that space as well and things, really? you know. Yeah, yeah. we've yeah. rehearsed there a couple yeah. of times when we're yeah. doing the Crucible. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're pretty villain. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we've mostly been at, at the Rialto, which yeah. is, which is um, you know, a, a blessing, really. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, I think most people don't really have the luxury of rehearsing in the space that they're going to be That's true. That, that's um, true. in, you know, which, mm. is, which is brilliant. So, yeah definitely grateful for that yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and you to this uh, earlier but um, I want to sort of speak to you a little bit about the um, story of how it happened for you. you 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 literally got approached yeah so it was um, uh, based on um, the the play that I did for you you guys yeah so it's your guys fault <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah if I mess this up <laughs> Blaming you guys. Yeah, we're blamed for this. Yeah, so um, I um, yeah, it's part of the cast iron thing uh, that you guys obviously run. Yeah. Um, I put my hand up. Hey, I'll come and um, I'll do a play yes. for you guys, yeah. and you very kindly said, "Yeah, come on board," and yeah. uh, you gave me a play and a cast and stuff. And I think that was, um, what was that yeah, last that? August September? I think July? it was about this time last year. About yeah. um, September October last year. Yeah. Uh, you, in the running order you had the last play of the evening yes and we've had um, an evening of um, there's sometimes we've just we've discussed this on the podcast before there's sometimes it's accidentally a theme running in the play in the evening and that night was a couple of silly plays but it opened we were a play that had been written by Michelle actually which was exploring some early ideas that model organisms uh, oh, yeah. then then developed um, which was about you know uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland really yeah and uh then uh we came to your play uh you directed which um seemed to be almost a prequel it seemed to be about how the world ended yeah ended yeah, yeah with um yeah someone like Do- donald donald trump in charge yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i remember you saying uh that you wanted to bookend the night uh starting with yeah a kind of uh um, apocalyptic thing, yeah. and then and then end it with with that same same kind of thing. Mm. And I remember um, one thing that that uh, you said to me was that because I think I, I I chose quite a funny song for for the end, <laughs> end, right. end, end well, of the play. Yes, yeah. And you said, um, don't give the audience that kind of relief. Yeah. You know, let them sit in this kind of 
uh, ne- negativity, mm. and that is actually fine. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. So from that, I learned actually, it's it's actually okay to end a play on that note. Yeah. yeah. And for the audience to be, oh, you know, to sit back and be like, hey, what just happened? You know, rather than be like, oh, that's a nice song. Let's go for a curry now. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Jeffrey, we're going yeah. now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first yeah. time that we, yeah. we it's basically a particularly a short play night uh, where we're not largely making any political statement or protest statement. Uh, it's a reasonable beat to sort of um, go, oh, we'll end on a gag, we'll end on a, on a, on a broad yeah. thing. And so it was quite nice. It was the first time we'd really done it so overtly to end on a uncomfortable silence type thing. Yeah, you know, to yeah. Have our have our audience come with us for you know, one and a half two hours, and then end on a essentially a slap around the face. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was about you know people accepting their fate of they wouldn't see the next dawn, um, which now me- means I kind of have to ask because I've forgotten uh, if you can remember what were you what was the song that you were going to end the world on I was going to go for Staying Alive um, <laughs> <laughs> by the Bee Gees so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like let's go for let's the most go for the most, most ironic yeah. Yeah. song that I, that I can, can can choose yeah because yeah. of course you can you can do you can do ironic re-recordings of songs yeah so they could have been a very beautiful um, John Lewis style <laughs> Staying Alive <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh now we have right. to hear now, that now we're doing yeah. this play again yeah. Yeah. Put it yeah. next yeah. cast time we're doing it again that, that's the plan I do I, I, I now really we gotta engaged, do it I really we gotta do it hear the, um, the Christmas um, John Lewis advert now um, Staying yeah. Alive yeah. just a massive oh. mushroom cloud yeah. Staying Alive <laughs> Cast on at the top. Yeah, <laughs> a, a life isn't just for life; it's for Christmas. <laughs> Christmas may be your last. Stay alive. Wow. <laughs> hashtag staying alive. Yeah. Oh, that would work. So much so well. yeah. Oh dear. Got to put a hashtag in there somehow. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's the most. It's the what world works. Man. Yeah. 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 Um, so it'd be a bunny. Yeah. It'd be like watership down. Yeah. Bunny running through the fields, coming up against every sort of obstacle, with staying alive. John Lewis style playing in the background. But like a bunny eating every obstacle. So it's like a Super Mario bunny. No, but like in a sort of, you know, watership down kind of yeah. watercolours. Beautiful. Meet, I think that would work. Meeting the great car. Ah, 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 ah. Staying alive. Yeah. Staying alive. Traffic. Wow. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. I like it. Yeah. Done. So, um, yeah. <laughs> now that we've had that idea, let's ask you about other ideas you may have had. Um, ideas for you, maybe you had an idea for um, a boy wizard that lives under the stairs and then somebody else went to that story before you did. Or maybe you invented a thing, uh, like um, the electric tin opener. Um, do you, do I did you... do that. Hang on, has that, that been done? But yeah. there is such a thing as electric tin opener. Yeah. I've got the plans. Oh, okay. yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, what I like about the electric tin opener, it, it, <laughs> it's like it's like um, it's kind of the same um, category as the, uh, the soda stream or the foot spa. Yeah. Or you know, thing. Or, just or, or laziness. Or, not, yeah. Not, not, not even lazy. Scrub your feet. <laughs> not even laziness. Uh, and the same category is the um, the toasty makers. Yeah. Um, things that are you know. 
if you buy them or, or have them bought for you, yeah, you will be delighted by them. You, you, you'll use them religiously for exactly eight days. Mm. Yes. And then you'll put them away for eight years. Yeah. Isn't and then so it's the you'll thing, open it up again and go, yeah. oh, this thing, I like I like this thing. Yeah. And you'll use it religiously for eight. And the cycle will continue throughout okay, your life yeah. until you die. Yeah. I think that's the millennial thing, though, isn't it? Because all of those things, the foot spa, the toasty maker, the soda stream, they're one-function items. They have one function. Ice cream makers, one function. Whereas we, you know, the better things so, uh, are multifunction. You're trying to define millennial by using... Multifunction m- things. Yeah, or, or single function things. No, I'm oh, saying m- they're rubbish because okay. they're not multifunction. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, so, so, yeah. so it's not a, um, uh, not a millennial thing? It's Yeah, it's not a millennial. Oh, like, millennial that's thing. why yeah, yeah. they don't appeal. Oh, I see. And that's okay. why we put them yeah. away after eight days. Well, even people who were born in the 70s were doing that. Oh, they put them away as yeah. well? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. You'd you, you be, you be deliriously happy about them, use them a lot for eight days, then oh. put them away for eight years, then go, what's this thing in the loft? Oh, this thing, I love this thing. Take it out again, and use it again, and you, it would go for that cycle for yeah. 40 years. It only does one thing, though. It only does one thing. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe, yeah, maybe then it's not a millennial thing. Maybe it's a human thing that we don't like things that only have one function. There Do are you? so many punchlines to that. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to say anything. That's any a whole different no. podcast. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, so here you are, James, not being a writer. Um, without context, and ever bothering to explain it, give us the punchline to the finest joke in the world. It can be one word, um, but... Um, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Only ever spoken in four of the, the, the translations of the Testaments. Um... <laughs> I, I I just like when 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 yeah I had an image in, in my mind of someone taking so much time to explain a joke to a complete sh- stranger right yeah. and the guy just going fuck off and then walking off yeah, yeah brilliant yeah, yeah. yeah there is um, I, I I would appreciate that yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um swear, right? according, according yeah. to according to the League of Gentlemen. For one of their sketches, which is about um, three men in an uh, Indian restaurant laboriously telling a joke about somebody lost in the jungle and fruit, uh, yeah. of which the punchline is Mau Mau. Um, and it just gets overly violent, and the person who wants the joke being told ends up pulling a gun oh, on the other two people. Yeah. And just having no sense of I mean, it, just having no sense of humour but wanting to hear this joke being told and it's painful and whatever oh. and um, the League of Gentlemen um, say yeah we kind of just pretty much overheard that mm. now obviously we've exaggerated it for comedic but no yeah. that was it's somebody doggedly and without humour going no get the joke right Brian I mean I've just spoken about League of Gentlemen um, and well, it's funny you mentioned League of Gentlemen I think you would appreciate this I was in London on Tuesday oh yes and I saw um, Reese Shearsmith yes um, narrate a 1922 horror, horror film oh yes yeah um, called it was uh, I think it was Swedish called um, 
Haxham, Haxham. Uh, yes, Haxham, um, great place, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it means witch. Yes. Yeah, and it was amazing. Yeah, front row, I was like, hey, that's pretty oh, set there. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And he was in yeah. London again today. Was he? Uh, he was filming in the Globe Theatre. Ah. Uh, they've just officially announced him as uh, one of the next cast members of Good Omens uh, by Neil Gaiman. He's nice. playing, playing Shakespeare. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, you know, they've just announced uh, the Four Horsemen uh, for um, Edgar Owens. The, 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 that cast is really sort of beefing up well now. Um, wow. But yeah, mentioned um, League Gentleman and obviously uh, Sir Bruce Shearsmith uh, narrating um, Haxon. Uh, oh, that might be one of your answers. Is there anything that you've seen recently or you're listening to at the moment or you're reading at the moment that you go, oh, hang on, you need to get hold of this, you get rid of this and watch or listen to this? I go through phases of, of, of stuff. Yeah. So it's... At the moment, it's Sherlock. Yes. <laughs> I'm kind of going through a big uh, Sh- Sherlock phase. Yeah. The one anchor that I'm always brought back to is Star Star Trek. Nice. Always. Knew I liked you. I thank you. Yeah. Yes. How how are you finding Discovery? Are you enjoying Discovery? I've watched the first two. Yeah. Without without my, my brother Paul because yeah. we're both uh, Trekkies. Yeah. So um, we've not had the time to kind of meet up and watch the. So I think we're about is it seven episodes in at the moment? I think so. Yeah. So I've only t- I'm only two things in. Yeah, yeah. we're four in. So really, four. Yeah. Yeah. How have you guys in. found it? Are you enjoying uh, it? it? I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it significantly more than. A certain element of the internet yeah. uh, enjoyed it. There was, yeah, yeah. Definitely, there was definitely a backlash from a certain call about it. But even those yeah. those people seem to have relaxed about it in for later episodes. Um, By all accounts, yeah. If you didn't like Discovery in the first couple of episodes, the later episodes are more likely to Star Trek that you think you know and enjoy anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that there, that's definitely the vibe I'm getting as well. Is that it's mostly being perceived as pretty good. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and the people, the the hardcore trekkies are like relaxing a bit now. I'm like, yeah. you know, I think they're probably going in, you know, being like, this is going to be crap. It's not Star yeah. Trek, and I'd be like, hey, that's actually pretty good, you know? Yeah. What? Yeah. I love the universe, and I don't. I think I had an issue with the the Klingons didn't look like my generations, the the next generation yeah. ones. Yeah. So they didn't look like them with the hair. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't keen on the the no hair and look, although it looked fabulous. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. I they didn't look as Klingon to me. But other than and and I'm kind of still fine with it. But it's so, the but, universe. But did, you get to live in that universe. When Gene Roddenberry wrote Star Trek, yeah. Yeah. did he did he write Klingons should they look like that? This so is true. my point is that that anyone that writes a story about Klingons has the license to make them look whatever they want to look like because mm. they're still Klingons. That's true. Oh, that, that, I yeah. just don't like. It's just a misnarrative. Yeah. That comment alone, um, James, about um, <laughs> anybody who writes Klingons can write it the way they want to. That comment alone will get us such a lot of attention. <laughs> 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 What 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 is what was your fir- uh, favorite episode of Star Trek? Uh, what's the so one? What's the, uh, what's the entry drug episode? Can we narrow it down to series? Yeah, let's yeah, of course. Is that okay. Um, so let's go from let's do it in, in order. So next generation. <laughs> um, oh God, bloody hell! That's that's a good question. Um, I 
rewatched them um, about for the millionth time. Um, best of both worlds. <laughs> Obviously, season three, season season four. Genuinely, the um, second time that that episode's come up in yeah. podcast conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, then uh, season two, a uh, season four, episode two, fam family when Picard goes back to France. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, brilliant and. The person that he doesn't want to confide in, his brother, mm. is the person that he does com- confide in. Yeah. He just lets it go. Mm. Excellent. Love it. Yeah. Um, there we go to... Yeah, I could go through the season. <laughs> yeah. season. Um, there's a tap- Tapestry, I think season five, Next Generation, where Q, um, Picard dies and... Um, it meets him in the afterlife and he kind of does like a lesson of like well if you had lived your life this way then you could have been over there yeah um yeah there's that so the one many with more. the what's the one where they if someone gets skewered by the That's is that tapestry, tapestry. yeah I, thought, oh, yeah. I remembered that as kirk recently i was thinking that was kirk that's picard yeah because ah. he because he has hair at that, at that point uh, yeah because okay. he's about 20 and he has hair I was thinking so, back yeah, to that yeah, the other, I was, yeah. it was a life lesson for myself going well yeah. you know yeah. I love Star Trek what's yeah. the best Star Trek film I don't know about best the one that I enjoy the most yeah. and I go back to mostly when I'm pissed <laughs> is Generations and yeah. um, when Kirk and Picard meet yes. in the, the Nexus. There's something mm. that I something that I attach to with that that is about two awesome people meeting and yeah. being like, oh, "This is awesome." Two yeah. handers. Two two handers. <laughs> two handers. Yeah, more about the two handers. Mm. <laughs> you're getting, you're getting yeah. two for the price of one there. Aren't you? You're getting classic. And yeah. Next, next yeah. Generation as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the original films. Um, I love. I actually my favourite one is the undiscovered country. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The sixth the sixth one. Yes. I love that. That's my that's my favourite one of the original films. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. We've not honoured our occasional remit of always mentioning Doctor Who per episode, so we've replaced that with um, Star Trek tonight. Yes. Which leads us to uh doesn't lead us at all, but it will be our final question about um if you are, when you're doing your not writing and you're being creative and um broody and um artistic and stuff. Uh, is there, a, is there <laughs> like a, a bar or a coffee shop that you hang out at? So where, where in Brighton do you hang out at? There, so I, yeah, shamefully, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if I should apply the word shamefully if I'm convicted in the fact that I do go there and I'm proud of it. Um, I go to Cafe Nero. Yes. Yeah, so there's two. Yeah. There's one on Western Road and then, then there's the one that I do actually prefer over that, the one in the lanes. It's on the corner. That's yes. right, yes. But it's not about the the cafe near or the chain. It's about where I there's a place where I can sit and hide. Yeah. Mm. And but the ironic thing is, why would you want to hide if you're in, in a, pub, a public public space? Always hide. You know, I, yeah, I want to hide, but I still hiding. want to be around humans. Yes. That, Strange I, that. No, yeah. I think that's um, that's right. really valid. That's yeah. really valid. That is a writer's conceit of wanting to have a bit of ambiance and sound. Yeah. And yeah. sound and sound and. Yeah, uh, both those near is a good one of them. Was obviously, obviously near the New Venture Theatre, um, the down the road. Yeah, and yeah. Um, the other one in the lanes is um, almost literally one of the stops on the Ghost Walk. Is it? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, when we're stopping to talk about the cricketers. Um, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, uh, there was a coffee place which is now Chocky Wocky Dude. That's yeah, right. Oh, right. Yeah, naked. That was my favourite. I like. I love that one. You go upstairs mm. and they had this like. Um, 
this room area and it's just like around the edges was like cushions where you yeah. could just sit down and hang out there and I there. would go in there and read my read my Star Trek books Fantastic. <laughs> that's what I would do I yeah, yeah. We, go and hide you know in the corner you know we were probably there uh, we were probably in the same place I think quite a few times we probably were um, yeah. <laughs> it, was also, it was also a meeting place for NaNoWriMo people because uh, ah, what okay. would happen is if you're writing your novel and stuff then you feel a bit alone and what's so people would go there to hang out and write in the same space as one another. Yeah. And Naked was a particularly good I hope because um, it's very rare, it's very difficult for me to find a hot white chocolate that I like. <laughs> they're white chocolates. Yeah. 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 They're, um, they're, they're white chocolate uh, mo- mockers. Oh, were, yeah. Were, were brilliant. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah, because yeah. it is a thing, but eight times out of ten, your hot white chocolate will just be watery, Milky, milky, yeah, like just hot like milk, foamy kind yeah. of, yeah. Oh. yeah. But what you want it to um, taste like, I believe, and which will be quite rare, is for it basically to be like really warm, hot, milky bar. Milky bar. Oh. Milky That's what you bar. want it to be. You know it has that yeah. texture. And Naked had something very similar to that. Did Chucky Wocky Doodah still do the thing where you have the dipping selection? I, you know, I've genuinely not been in Chucky Wocky Doodah since they the. Have. Um, I haven't either since it's changed. I haven't, I haven't oh, I'm so loyal to naked. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, they took it away from me. Yeah, I was my child. <laughs> That's adorable. Listen, okay. Doreen, if you're going to take my child away from me, I'm not going to see you again. Yeah. Well, because we, I believe they might do, they may still do, I don't know. They used to, when they used to have it near Middle Street School, they yeah. used to have a little cafe there back right. in. Of quite a few years ago, they used to do little dipping pots, so you'd get sweets on sticks, and you'd dip it into melted chocolate, milk chocolate, dark chocolate, yeah. white chocolate, gotcha. and yeah. it'd be hot and melted and lovely. So they might still do that. You might need to go back. Okay. I'm still. Um, okay. Cool. I don't know. If and when Dave Comics ever have a refurb and they open up a little coffee shop <gasps> in Dave Comics. Then is that the one on the left or the right? Because there's there's two. There's Dave's comics and there's yeah. Dave's books, I think. Right. So, okay. Um, one is the one that sells um, all the new issues and the new trade uh, paperbacks and yeah. uh, whatever. And Dave's books or whatever it's called, one on the left, uh, on the other side of pen to paper, um, sells uh, old issues and board games and action figures and the like. So that that would be your thing then, uh, having a coffee shop within a comic book like that. Oh. That is that. Is, that would seem to work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I love the way that that was. Your know, response was just so like underplayed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that would that would be all right. You know. You know what we didn't thing. fully ask yeah. you if you'd invented something. We kind of drifted off that. We did because I guess there wasn't an answer really. I do have an answer. Oh, <gasps> yeah. Go on then. Yeah. We can. We can <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. my yeah, first thing that comes to mind isn't a thing, but I do remember being young and kind of being just being silly, just being really, really silly in the you know mostly on Christmas Day or something you know mm. sitting sitting around around a table and being asked to get a teaspoon or something, yeah. and then going out to the kitchen and grabbing either grabbing a massive spoon right. <laughs> Or every single thing I could find, coming back in and just slamming it on the on the on the table, <laughs> and then being like, "Hey, I'm 
This is slapstick humour. I oh god, <laughs> I, I thought of this. This is this is mine. Yeah. And then I go watch like um you know Naked Gun or something. Oh right, I didn't do that. Did you I? invented slapstick. <laughs> I invented slap. I thought I, yeah, I thought that was, yeah. this is new to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a new That's thing right. for the human race, and people are laughing at this. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. What a beautiful yeah. Christmas miracle. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. invented humour. Yeah. I've not been asked back to my parents since. So, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was 24 years ago. So, <laughs> yeah. What do you think will be... What sort of script are you looking to direct next? Not necessarily the script, but what kind of script? What, what's, what stories are interesting you at the moment? I don't know, actually. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I am... Um, enjoying what I'm doing now you know I there isn't an ultimate kind of goal for me you know there's no path I want to go down it's just enjoying what I'm doing at this point in time you know and if something comes up after this uh, yeah be grateful and happy to do it you know yeah um yeah and I'm not sure if I lack scope in that kind of way but but I'm I'm, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying what I'm what I'm doing now so yeah yeah. I think that sounds really zen I don't I I think there's always a need like we're in it we're very much in a in a society in a sort of way of thinking and I totally do this all the time of going what's next what's next what's next and actually just to like enjoy what you're doing at the moment is really valid I think and really good um yeah can we can we mention the brothers Macaulay Okay, go on. Yes. The, the, so because you're a dynasty, aren't you? Yeah, you're a dynasty, and uh, <laughs> he is. <laughs> he definitely is. Yeah. So we we spoke to village. your 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 brother, uh, Paul McCauley, in a previous podcast. That's right. We will be speaking to him again at the live podcast. Yeah. Um. So he's involved in theatre. You're involved in theatre. Mm. Why? How did that happen? Uh, how did he get involved? He got involved. I yeah. Obviously, I don't want to speak speak for Paul, mm-hmm. but he's always written, always, yeah. and been a very very cre cre creative type. Mm. So I think finding that avenue into theatre was quite a, a natural thing for him, just mm. to be like, hey, I can go and try and do a play play now. Mm-hmm. Um, so he joined um this 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 class this like monday night class in crawley um this uh, acting thing for like a few months and then did a play with them at the horth in crawley yeah. um which i went to see um and i was like yeah kind of i'll have a go at doing that yeah. did join the class as well and then yeah. did a play as well um but I, yeah again i think with him it's just it's always been embedded within him mm. this kind of this creative kind of I was going to say orb. I don't know why I would... He has a creative orb within him, yeah. you know, that you can just draw from at any, any time. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, and I think I've just kind of maybe um, latched on to that energy somehow and kind yeah. of gone along with it and kind of... We've kind of gone and done our own thing, Yeah, you know, from that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Do you it, chat about the things that you're doing and, and talk about... Is it is it something quite separate, or is it? Do you do you chat about 
choices that you're making and creative journeys that you're going on so physically it's separate so we're mm-hmm. working on different projects but when we do meet up we definitely talk about the things that we're working on yeah. you know and talk about you know so why is this happening and you know what's that you know and just all the all these types of, of um uh, questions really yeah mm. i mean there's been times when our things have overlapped you know I, i've been in plays that he's written and directed oh, and, really? and stuff like that and kind of yeah he certainly helps me out with the stuff that i work on you yeah. know mm. he's a, a a creative hub for me you know yeah. I just go to him and be like hey <laughs> what about this yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah we kind of just led our own little paths recently well mm. mine's tiny his is uh my path is tiny yeah his is <laughs> yeah his is a star star system so yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i yeah. think it's really exciting yeah we've got our own brighton version of the mcgann brothers <laughs> Excellent. Which <laughs> does, which does mean that one of you will end up being the Doctor Who that has been on screen the least at the same time as having the most episodes. Sure. Which is a. Bit How of does that work? Uh, yeah. You um, have well, managed well, to crowbar in yeah, yeah. a Doctor Who reference. Paul McGann, yeah. who is the yeah. eight, eighth Doctor. Yeah. Uh, he was in the TV movie, um, uh, but because of Big Finish, the audio adventures. Yeah. His tenure went on for many more years and he he has marked up more episodes of Doctor Who than any other Doctor really that's really interesting Mm. Mm. I didn't know that do you guys um, feed off each other in that kind of age I mean obviously you have your your separate things but you obviously do overlap as well yeah do you go to each other for advice and um, inspiration and questions and stuff I mean Mm. Would you say you have similar similar styles in writing, performing, directing? I don't know. I've yeah. never really thought about. It. I certainly go to Andrew for, um, for inspiration to kind of. <laughs> Andrew writes. <laughs> Andrew <laughs> writes. Okay. Andrew actually does the work. Yeah. And I do a lot of chatting about writing, yeah. and I call myself a writer. Yeah. As my main thing. And then I go, I do, I definitely do that. I'm too busy. Um, well, no, if I, I've just got all of these other things to do and some very important walking <laughs> around to do. But Whereas, I do all and, that too. No, but you're, I, Andrew inspires me in how hard he works. I mean, he, he writes yeah. a lot. I def- yeah. I that's what I gauge from, from, from you guys mm. is that you're always just on, on the go yeah. writing and projects on the go and reading yeah. and, and yeah everything well we had yeah, a day off on monday and i think it's the there's definitely a a, a plus and <laughs> a negative to the fact that that we run a business together we we are a partnership you know outside of the business that we're married and i think there's also the sense of um people who don't know us who are listening to the podcast who don't know us mm. uh, may not necessarily appreciate the inherent humour of that seemingly benign, innocuous statement. (laughs) (laughs) We we had a day off on Monday. We had a day off on Monday, but the point of the day off was that we were gonna, we were gonna have a day off because we heard of these things, this day off thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, what is that? I know, it was insane. And what we did, we definitely, we almost, (laughs) we almost managed a day off in that 
we <laughs> we woke up early for this day off because I had planned it. It was like Christmas. It was like because we'd had our work in progress night the night before. Yeah. yeah. And it was like this would be a good time to have an actual day off where we both don't go to, to work. We both don't switch on the computer. We both don't talk about theatre or do anything theatre related yeah. or work related for the entire day. I bet you so what's your next question? Like, didn't you? What's your next question? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is yeah, I bet you, you uh, did you end up doing all that We anyway? lasted till 9:30. I we woke up at half half 8 and we were like let's enjoy this day yeah. off it's going to be like DVD heavy. It'll be amazing. We might have a quick breakfast. Well, it's basically you're doing what you love. Yeah. And we're both doing what we love. And the hobby has become the thing that we do most of the time. Yeah. And that is hard then to go, to stop doing. To stop that. And then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's great when we do, like sometimes we, we walk around like the, the, the fields and stuff. And sometimes we will walk into town and we won't even mention theatre for a good half an hour. But I think we both... I'd like to think that we both inspire each other lots yeah. to kind of go, oh, what about this? And we could do this. And even, you know, in, in conversations with you, we've, like, I've had about three ideas of going, oh, we should do that. We could do that. Yeah. We could do that. And that's great. Yeah. And that's, it doesn't feel like working. So that's good. Mm. I don't know what you think, Andrew. How do I inspire you? Oh God! Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> I, Episode thirty-two. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, we, you're right that we sort of like uh, we won't necessarily ask each other advice, but we'll bounce ideas off mm. one another or talk about a narrative problem that's existing in the script or whatever. Yeah. And the other person would often respond, "Well, how about this?" or have you tried this? Or are you trying to say this? Yeah. All of those statements sound much more aggressive than they actually are no, in your no. life. Um, but it's just, yeah, they're using each other as a sounding board. You know, there's, um, I don't know how necessarily, uh, how valid those conversations would sound to an, uh, a list person listening in. There's a, a gag um, from Bridget Christie, mm. who, um, his partner is um, Stuart Lee. And so they're both stand-up comics. And um, she, a line in her stand-up, she speaks about, oh, people must come up to, uh, people come up to me and they go, oh, Hugh and Stuart Lee, the comedian Stuart Lee, both you and the comedian Stuart Lee, both stand-up comics, you, the comedian Stuart Lee. Yeah. You must be, you must be laughing all the time, you must be laughing all the time. And she said, Bridget Christie says, you know, I can assure you, the stand-up comic, living with the stand-up comic, Stuart Lee, the one sound you will never hear in our household is the sound of laughter. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's probably the reason they see that uh, something in each other in the first place. Yeah. Be- because they're not that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And I think, and also writing and <laughs> creating theatre, even at the beginning stages and stuff, is such an insular thing because it's, it's an internal thing, it's an ideas thing. And then also writing, if you're, not, if you're not a writer, it's really hard to explain. And I'm really bad at it when Andrew's writing, of just wandering in and going, so um, we need this and that. <laughs> oh, you're writing, sorry. Um, but it is, 
I think it's that thing of, you know, it's such a lonely thing to do. So mm. it's quite it's quite nice that we've got each other to go, I'm having a writing day, I'm having a writing yeah. day too. And we'll both be in different parts of the house. That makes it sound huge. In different <laughs> wings. We'll be in different rooms of the house. Yeah, I'll be in the East Wing. He'll be in the West Wing, obviously. And we're we'll so be... always in the West Wing. I'm so always in the West That's Wing. That's one of my other <gasps> phases, by the way. This the, is why we the, get on. The West Wing and house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've not we've got a house over here. You and need to get I'm pointing yeah. to a part of Cast Iron Towers. Oh, the West Wing. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's such a it's such a insular what? place uh, to be writing. is such yeah. a, a a solo thing that actually to have two people in the house who are writing at the same time probably not speaking to each other for about two or three hours at a time and then occasionally going, coffee, yes, coffee. It's great because you don't need to explain the fact that, yes, I'm here physically, but I'm off in my own world and I need to be writing now and I can't actually have a conversation with you. And I think that that, um, uh, brings me to something that I've been kind of latching onto recently in that actually uh, being comfortable with silence actually is, is actually fine. Yeah. You know? And recognizing that you're comfortable with that, and I'm comfortable with that, and yeah. that. So, for example, if you're in a car driving somewhere with mm. someone, and mm. you think, "Oh God, I've got nothing to talk about," that's fine. Mm. Just be silent. Yeah. It's, I love it's that. okay. There's no need to fill that kind of space, you know, yeah. with noise. You know, yeah. 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 Which to to go to the obvious gag is why you're enjoying Pinter so much. Exactly, Pinter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's all it is. Just f- f- filling the silence. Mm. Yeah, yeah, with just anything words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting. And I think there's, um, yeah, certainly with writing and, you know, if your partner's a, a writer as well, it's just that whole idea of being celebrating the whole idea of is to do about two hours of dreadful writing, get it down on paper and then go, right, and then leave it alone for a day and then go, well, that's what I need to fix. You know, mm. that, you know it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. So um, here, here's the odd question. Then we were just speaking about the West Wing. Mm. Um which were you watching that on its first transmission? I I wasn't. I, no, no. I mean, uh, so I started watching it in oh god, uh, two thousand and thirteen. Okay. So so about twelve years after it finished. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm only watching <laughs> yeah. it for the first time now. Oh really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <sighs> the writing. The question that I wanted to uh, ask you then, Jennifer Corley. Oh, it's all gone a bit desert island disc song. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, what, what what disc would you choose to save for the waves? Yes. Um, it would have to be a Metallica song. Okay. Because they're my fa- favourite band. So not staying alive. Um, not staying alive. Yeah. <laughs> staying alive by Metallica. Yeah. They cover that. Staying alive. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul would appreciate that. <laughs> um, God, um, yeah, it would have to be Metallica and. Okay, I've I've given myself a really nasty <laughs> choice now because I've chosen my favourite band, so I've got to choose my favourite song by them. Uh, Desert Island, uh, Let's Go. I would want to be enthused yeah. all the time. Uh, the Four Horsemen okay. by Metallica. Mm. It's thrashy and it's got parts, clean parts and melodic parts and slows it down and heavy parts and yeah, a lot of levels to it. So, yeah. Um, and <laughs> the question I was going to ask you before I distracted myself about talking about the design discs is which character on West Wing are you? Am I or would I like to be? Or, uh, or, or, yeah, or do I? A combination yeah. of both, okay. I guess. Um, oh, man. Oh, oh. 
I, I immediately think of Josh. I, I yeah. do. I, I immediately think think of Josh. I would love to be Jed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love to be him. Yeah. Sharp man. So sharp. Yeah. Comes in the room and just shoots that Christian down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I enter the room, everyone stands. Yeah. So yeah. good. Love it. Um, oh, I love that. The writing. The yeah. writing. It's amazing. Um, there's definitely some do- oh, I was going to say there's definitely some do- 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 Donner in me <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah sure there is um, I would love to be CJ but I think I'm definitely oh CJ more. CJ yeah. yeah don't like Sam don't like Sam no me neither nah. thank you nah. no not Sam <laughs> Sam no god he's an arrogant dick yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of Sam yeah yeah. Are, is he arrogant though, or is he just no, he's genius level? I think genius level. I, 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 I yeah. think he's, he's not arrogant. There's not arrogance. Even, there's something just like I think he's nineties. I think that that's he's he's nineties hero. Yeah. And the show yeah. pretty much works out that that's not what's interesting. Josh, it's all about Josh. It's all about the Josh. Josh is the, the Josh. lead of that show. Yeah. Josh is the hero. Did you uh, watch Studio Sixty? No. Ah. No. Oh, you must watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's all about the writing. Is that the yeah. same? Right? Is that Aaron Sorkin? As yeah, well, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. It's got Josh and Bradley Whitford. Yeah, Bradley really? Whitford. Really, he's the lead. And um, Chandler out of Friends. Really? Yeah, Matt Perry. Uh, Matt, Matt Perry. Perry. Yeah. 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 It's well worth watching. Oh yeah. But yeah, we're only on your first time four. round, so we don't know any spoilers. But you're on um, season four. Yeah. Season four. Yeah. So okay. we we've. Um, yeah, so I've worked amazing... out that it's set in the White House. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a brilliant podcast, if you like the West Wing, called the West Wing Weekly. Yeah. And it goes through every single episode of the West Wing, and they have interviews with all the cast. Um, some wow. of the crew. They have like Aaron Sorkin coming on to talk about it every now and again. They just had um, Jeb Bartlett. They, they, it's it's great, and you yeah. have to listen to it. And they're on season four at the moment as well. Mm. There are a couple of episodes ahead of where you are, but it's a brilliant listen. And yeah. You should listen Thanks. to it. That's my podcast recommendation. Excellent. Yes. Um, so, James McCauley, Hi. what is it that you're directing? I am directing the Dumbwaiter at the Rialto. Um, it's on seventh to the eleventh of November, Tuesday to Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> eight PM per performance. So it's going to be going to be eight, eight till nine. Yeah. Um, tickets uh, nine fifty or ten fifty, depending on concessions and stuff. Yes. Um, if yeah, follow the links on Facebook and uh, the Rialto and stuff. Just do a search, Dumbwaiter, Google search it, Rialto, Facebook, Dumbwaiter, Rialto. You know, just Any all the keywords, yeah. all the keywords. Think of the keywords. Throw them into a machine and you find it. Yeah. Come Best down. of luck with that. Hope to um, come over and see it and have a great run. Thank you very much. Thank you. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donkey. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, cast underscore Iron Acts. On Facebook, Ironclad Cast Iron, or one word. Our website is castironbrighton.bb.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening.